1: what's going on everyone happy new year and welcome to another Buzzbeat episode this is richie and i'll be going live solo on youtube facebook and twitter video right now brian and i were able to go live earlier in the day uh, where we answered some listener questions about the young core of the hornets we tried to pinpoint future skills for upcoming draftees we looked at the players this season that have been the ones on the rise, the ones that have made the most noticeable dips. That will be the second part of this episode. I really don't plan on spending too much time on this game because even though I enjoy looking at the on-court action, I know the discussion about this team is much larger than that. And what's happening on this road trip right now is not good. There are certainly bigger fish to fry, and we will talk about some of that big picture stuff in the second half of this episode. I think what makes this game even less meaningful than it already is, is just the list of injuries that are starting to pile up. They made a mention on the broadcast that this is the 13th different starting lineup, and we are in Game 31. Terry Rozier missed a his first game. Um well, this is his first game missed with with I think flu like symptoms. Mark Williams, this is 11th straight game missed. Gordon Hayward, he has missed three straight games. Lamella Ball, I believe this is his 16th game missed uh this season. And obviously Frank Nilakina has not played um at all. So with his leg injury. Final score of this one, 111 Denver. Charlotte got 93. It was a very odd game, especially in the first half. Neither team was all that effective in those first 24 minutes. And if you watch the first Denver game in Charlotte, this one felt very similar. Jokic seemed very disinterested in shooting the ball. In the first half, just looking up Jokic's line, two points, eight rebounds, five assists. And he only took one shot, and that came very, very late in the first half. He knows that he can turn it on, especially against a team like Charlotte that's depleted. And we saw last time when Charlotte played the Nuggets a couple days before Christmas, this is exactly what happened. If you remember that game, the Hornets really, really struggled in the third quarter. They were outscored 30-9, to and in the third quarter, Denver started on a twenty-to-two run, and we saw that change in Jokic's like mentality. And he took like four or five shots when within the first handful of possessions, and that switch was flipped for Denver, and and they know they can do this against Charlotte. They know that they can do this against a depleted team, and they put up forty points in that third quarter. And on Twitter, you can go check my Twitter right before half. I said it, that I was nervous about this third quarter because Denver was really just going through the motions. I would not say the game was close at half. It was not tied at 49 because the Hornets were doing something special. That wasn't the case. It just felt like Denver knew that they could flip a switch at halftime like they did in Charlotte and come away with the same outcome. Jamal Murray was awesome for Denver as well, in addition to Jokic. But let's get into the Hornets side. I, I do have a comment here, which I think is a pretty cool one to look at from Regulator. Is there a danger that the young players will be worse off or learn bad habits from these games? I can't imagine how the players feel with this streak now at 11. It's a very interesting comment. Obviously, the Hornets now have the longest losing streak in the NBA. 11 straight games as Detroit the other day. Beat the Raptors after the Raptors made that trade. Uh, I I do think this is a valid point. Uh, These younger players coming in and and losing game after game after game. uh, They're not surrounded with some of the veteran players that can show them the ropes. And yeah, it it could potentially lead to some bad habits. And I think where I want to start with is Brandon Miller. Uh, He's the guy that I think all the focus should be on as we go through these next handful of games. If we're assuming some of the players that are injured now are going to be injured for the next four, five, six, seven games, uh, he's a guy that you're going to want to look at moving forward. And you're going to see some bad. Um, There was one bad habit play that I saw. I wouldn't necessarily say it was because they're on this road trip per se, but there was one bad habit play that I did not like. Um, We saw more of the offense run through him. More shots came his way. And that's just the pure fact that there are a ton of injuries on this team. And early in the game, we saw it. He was going to be this high usage guy for Charlotte. A lot of the possessions ended up with the ball in his hands. Um, He didn't shoot the ball well from the field, but we saw a little bit of everything. We saw him show some on the ball work, operating at the pick and roll, pulling up. He tried to draw some fouls. He got an and one Against Reggie Jackson around the free throw line in the first half, where he was actually able to pick up four points on the play because Jackson received a, a technical foul. His three point shot was not on, um, but we saw a little bit of that too. I think the one thing that I keep repeating myself with Brandon Miller is that if he can fix or he if he can, if he can fix the strength aspect of his game, if he can get stronger like this offseason, that should be priority number one. I think a lot of the other little stuff will start to follow because he gets pushed off his path uh, too often. And I, I know there was the the story over the summer where he was dealing with mono, and it took him a long time to recover from that. I think a lot of these turnovers that you see with Brandon Miller, bad passes, traveling calls, um, just any kind of actual turnover, a lot of it is set up prior to the actual pass or is set up prior to the actual travel because he has pushed off his path he's driving he can't withstand the contact he might drag his pivot foot accidentally and that's exactly what happened in the first quarter as he was called for a travel so i think the handle definitely needs to tighten but i think the strength needs to get to a point to where he can withstand contact because i think at this point he is a very good spacer uh three-point shooter but what we're going to see now in these next handful of games is the ball in his hands a little bit more running the pick and roll. So, yeah, the the point that I was trying to make earlier about bad habits, this was not this was not a turnover, but I think the decision at the end of the first half where he decided to drive, it was like a semi transition play. He was really like the only Hornet kind of like on the screen. Most were probably in the backcourt or just kind of like out of the picture. And there was 10 seconds left that they could hold for the last shot. Uh, He missed this contested layup. I I think if he made it, I wouldn't be talking about it. But you have to make that shot in that situation for that decision to go right. There's just too much time left on the clock for Denver. Ultimately, Denver did not make the shot prior to the half. uh, But I think this is just what we're going to see with a rookie like Brandon Miller is going through these growing pains and you know, little things like miscommunication on on defense or um, picking up a guy in transition, just just making the right play. So, to regulator's point in the chat, these habits can start to go the opposite direction. He and PJ, for example, had a, had a miscommunication on a split cut with Jokic receiving the ball at the free throw line. Miller and Washington ended up on Murray down near the basket, where it left Aaron Gordon for a wide open three point make. To me, it looked like P.J. communicated the switch. Obviously, we're we're not down on the court, but it looked like he mouthed something to Brandon, but I guess we'll never know for certain. But these are the growing pains that we're going to see with Miller, and these are the things that you want him to work on. Like You want him to work on it this season when there's not much at stake. I think that's probably the best perspective that we need to take with Brandon Miller. He finished with 15 points, 5 rebounds. One assist and two turnovers. And like I said, his shooting was was subpar tonight.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. By saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com/slash blue Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire, you need Indeed.
1: Miles Bridges uh finished with 26 points, nine rebounds, and five assists. But if you were to watch his first quarter, that was one to forget. He felt very non-existent in that quarter, but he he kind of flipped the switch, turned it on in the second quarter where he had 12 points. In that second period, perfect from the field, two of two of the rim, one of one in the paint, one of one on a baseline jumper, and then he hit a right wing three as well. I think he's one of the few guys that I've mentioned this time and time again, one of the few guys on this roster that can drive the basketball. I don't know if he was like outstanding against Denver driving the ball, but he hit a couple of shots getting into the paint off the bounce. I just think that we're seeing it at a less consistent pace this year. And we've also seen it in previous years where he can hit it with either hand. He had a driving right-handed layup in the third quarter. He had a right-handed floater from about like eight feet away in the fourth quarter. He goes to that offhand often around the rim and Bridges finished three of five inside that restricted area. So that's, that's one area that you can always kind of count on with bridges is the driving ability using that athletic and that power and that strength to get to the rim. And his handle has tightened over the course of his career. But overall, on the opposite end for Bridges, he seems so disinterested uh, on defense. He's he's not picking up in transition. He's going under screens. And I think sometimes when you go under screens, it, it shows a lack of, I guess, effort and desire. It's almost like he wants the shot to miss so that people won't focus in on the end result there. But like, I'm noticing that these little like moments in time on defense where he's just doesn't seem all that interested, even if the opposing team misses it, like that's the stuff that I know that coaches pick up on and that's got to change for him, especially in this, in this new front office, new ownership to see him as a piece moving forward he needs to offer some things that others just don't, which, which he does. Like You can't teach the athleticism, but the lack of awareness and desire on defense is just too frequent for my liking. He has all the physical tools. He has all the physical tools on that end, on both ends, but we're just not seeing the results on that end. I thought Nick Richards as well was, was fairly solid, but there's a part of me that knows that Jokic deep down like knows when to contest him, knows when to give him a, a difficult time. It just felt like Jokic, I wouldn't say took possessions off, but you know he knew that he could expend some energy on offense. And you know the Hornets running offense through Richards out of the dunker spot wasn't going to be something that could be sustained or produce any kind of positive results that would propel Hornets to a win. Uh, the Richards did finish with 15 points, eight rebounds two of those rebounds being on the offensive end where he also had four second chance points. He was uh pretty good around the rim like he always is going up for dunks. He had a couple of finesse plays too. Um I don't necessarily watch him and think finesse, but he did have a hook shot over Murray in the first quarter and then a push floater off the glass. I think that was like late in the second quarter. But yeah, he's been he's been one of the better finishers in the restricted area in all of the NBA this year. Uh, But if he could add a little bit more skill, a little bit more finesse, that could go a little bit more in adding variety in his game. But to be honest, I'm not really expecting it all that much. Let me write down the other guys from this game before we get out of here. I mean, there's not much to talk about in this game. This is the same story, same script. Ish Smith, he received his championship ring before the game. You could definitely tell that he's loved Inside that Denver locker room, the way that he was treated, the way that the Nuggets reacted pregame and postgame with him tells you everything you need to know. And you almost wonder if Ish Smith wasn't on this team, like who would be the guy that they would lean on a- as a veteran? I'm not sure. I mean, I guess Terry Rozier to a certain extent, but I think Ish is a very well respected guy around the league. Uh, in this game, he had his mid-range shot working. Um, it's the one area of the court that he actually likes to shoot from. He's a guy that passes up on threes, which is totally fine in my book, but he was four of four in the non-paint mid-range attempts against the Nuggets. He's got a very odd shooting motion. I don't know if you guys have ever kind of like sat down and either watched it in slow motion, but it, it, it's, it's very odd. But somehow it still goes in, uh, or at least it went in tonight. He finished with 10 points, three rebounds, and four assists. Uh, regulator in the chat says it's good to have Cody Martin back. He had six assists. I actually didn't have a lot of notes on Cody Martin in this game specifically. Uh, there was one possession in the first half where it was like uh, like a step-up scream from Aaron Gordon, uh, like a 21-action in semi-transition and he freely switched on to Aaron Gordon and allowed PJ to take his man. And so obviously he's giving up height and some strength, but he was still able to get the block on Gordon at the rim. And while he did finish with six assists, he only finished with two points and three rebounds. But yeah, it's good to see him back on the court after, you know, missing basically all of last season and taking a while to kind of ramp up for basketball activities this season. It's just a shame that he can't play with the full complement of players right now. Like I, I think he's a guy that is a complimentary player, and for him to be playing with this ragtag group, uh, you're just not going to see much because he's not a guy that is going to create a lot of offense for himself. Uh, Nathan Mensah drew another charge in this game. I, that was really the only note that I took about him. He's now up to four charges drawn on the roster. That's... Five behind the leader on the team. Brandon Miller has nine, but also he's played in 20 less games than Brandon Miller. So Mensa, two points, four rebounds, only 12 minutes of play. And Again, um, he's filling in or at least trying to fill in for spot minutes as Mark Williams has missed 11 straight games. And then the last note that I took, just real quickly, if you need to know how Clifford feels about JT Thor this year, just look at his minutes in this game. Depleted roster, five, six people out, cannot play. With all these guys out and injured, he still only gets four minutes. And I'm not sure he would have picked up a single minute had the Hornets actually made this game competitive. Like these were all garbage time minutes for JT Thor. He is a guy that has probably been one of the more disappointing players on the roster. And I, and I will say, like, he's not expected to do a ton. And I think last season you saw after the All-Star break how he started to pick it up from behind the arc and shoot the ball well there. He has not done that this season, not shooting the ball well from behind the arc And he's not a guy that's going to drive and get to the rim at a very high rate. You can kind of look at his frame and tell that it's just probably not part of his game right now. And he's a very much a catch and shoot three point shooter. And because they're not falling, uh, there's not much else that he adds. I think defensively he's taken a step back. So he's a guy that feels like would be a Clifford esque player, but. You know the fact that he only got four minutes in tonight's game really tells you everything that you need to know. It, it's one thing if this w- this team was at full health, but this team was very short-handed, and uh, he got garbage minutes really uh, for for this game. So uh, the final score again was one eleven ninety three loss. The Hornets are now seven and twenty four. Denver bumps up to twenty four and eleven. Currently third in the West. Like I mentioned earlier, Charlotte's longest losing streak in the NBA has been extended to 11 games. And next three games for the Hornets, Kings and Bulls on the road. And then they return home after their long, I think it's the longest road stretch of the season. Back on January 8th, they get the Bulls again. Yes, regulator. Booknight and Thor are living in the same doghouse. Yeah, even Booknight can't get minutes. So, you know, Booknight, who seemed promising at one point, I'm not even sure how you would even trade that guy. Like, he would just be, you know, a, a, a filler to kind of make make salaries match or kind of be a sweetener. Like, he's not a guy that has a lot of value around the league. So, I appreciate you guys tuning in for my quick solo podcast. Stay tuned for the episode, the second half of the episode. Brian and I went live earlier on YouTube in the day answering some questions from our listeners. I hope you guys have a good one. Have a good new year. Take care. All right. Let's get into the listener Q&A section of this episode. I'm going to be joined by Brian for this portion. BG, real quickly, how was your holiday? How was your new year?
2: Holidays were good. Uh, happy New Year to all those listening in. Richie, happy t- New Year to you and your family. And yeah, things were pretty good. Um, relaxing, spent some time with the family, uh, did a little travel, went up to Asheville for a couple of days, which was which was very, very, very nice up there. And just slowly getting back on the grid and, and catching up with uh, with basketball has been, uh, been fun the last few days, too.
1: Did you stay up for the ball drop? Because I, I don't know the last time I've done that.
2: I was up, but I did not watch it so okay. but he here in raleigh uh I did not make it out for this, but there is a giant acorn that has dropped uh in downtown raleigh the the city of Oaks it was giant acorn that that uh i've never i've never actually seen it dropped, but uh certainly that was going down uh in downtown raleigh uh last night or t- or you know New year's Eve i should say yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you have kids, I guess if you're not
1: out and about at a friend's place and, you know, watching the ball drop, like there's no real excitement for me to stay up. I get my sleep uh, because I know I got to get up and going at 6 a.m. So, yeah, (laughs) we'll get into this. We've got two questions, one from Substack and one from Twitter. We're going to start with the question from Substack, Daniel N. He says, I'm assuming the young core as it stands is LaMelo. Miller and Mark Williams and the Hornets look primed to have at least one more high draft pick to add to that if you had to choose one skill set would you prioritize offensive rim pressure or elite defensive versatility slash intensity with this selection so (laughs) this is a pretty cool pretty cool question even though I think it's hard to pinpoint a single skill in a single draft pick because you don't want to necessarily be drafting a guy based you know, solely on something because you're going to be dismissing other skills. But for the hypothetical of this question, it's a pretty cool one to think about because when you look at this Hornets roster, Brian, like rim pressure um, is not a thing that comes in the method of a wing or a guard. You know, they can they can use the pick and roll situation with Mark Williams. You can get rim pressure that way, Uh, but there's not a ton of guys that can drive, withstand contact, put pressure on the rim and do it, you know, effectively. When I look at this roster like LaMelo, like he kind of added that to his game this year, but his efficiency hasn't gotten to the point, you know, where you would like it. Bridges has that in his game, but there's some uncertainty with his future. And then, like who else? McGowan's, I guess, but he's so low on the depth chart. Like, <sighs> it's like you're not going to justify him out on the court just because he can attack the rim. So, um, you know, it's it's an important thing to have, I think. But having said all that, I think I actually lean towards the other way. A player with the defensive intensity size, versatility, if I had to choose one. If I had to choose one, obviously you don't ever evaluate one player based on one skill. So I think regardless of how you feel about previous coaches, current coaches, the Hornets defensive personnel has always been lacking. They're missing size, they're missing versatility, they're missing any kind of real resistance that you know doesn't put the team in a constant rotation early. And so if you just look at the last handful of years for defensive rating, it's always been like 20, maybe like 18 or, high, you know, at the highest, but like it's, it's on the bottom end. And this season they're like 28th or 29th. So I think the same reason you would want a player to kind of break down the defense is the same reason why I would want the Hornets to target a guy in the draft that would do the opposite that would prevent opposing teams to break down a defense. So I think this is a very interesting question, Brian, which way do you lean? And, you know, the benefits of, of, of both players that would have these skills.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's hard to address just even, I, I think this, this listener, this reader addressed the two sort of biggest concerns, but there's just so many issues with the roster. Um, anyone listening to this can, could list off probably a dozen of them immediately. Um, but I think these are the two that are sort of like at front of brain most often. Uh the defensive concern really does make you wish they had perhaps prioritized Jalen McDaniels a little bit last year. Uh maybe he's not quite the defensive stopper or a uh, enough of an offensive player to sort of like justify a, a starting role or or something like that. But they, they had a they had a pretty interesting young wing defender that could do some stuff on and off the ball that they just you know, sort of punted on at the uh, the deadline last season. Um, I'll I'll go opposite of you, Richie. Though I I see where you're coming from. Like I just tend to lean offense on, on these things, and I would love for them to have not just like a source of like rim pressure, which they they do need. They need someone in the guard room or in the wing room that can that can like heat up the rim with a dri- with a live dribble. Um, because like they well they're what top probably top six seven in the league right now in terms of shots at the percentage of shots at the rim. Um, but I think a fair amount of that is, you know, you're getting dives to the rim with uh the centers, you're getting put back attempts. Like and then, that's probably boosting those numbers up a little bit. This is still one of the worst spot up offenses in the league. Uh, I believe they're their bottom three in efficiency on spot ups with along with the the Pistons, of course, uh, who almost don't count and the Spurs who kind of don't count. And are often playing without a without like a point guard on the floor if if Trey Jones isn't isn't even in the game, but just like the ability to create slash and kick, the ability to uh, get downhill, get into the paint to draw fouls, uh, they just need the ability to like have someone that can reliably get into the paint. And we saw some of this with Lamella, and like maybe 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 with. Uh, with more health and uh, some strength development, maybe that's something uh, LaMelo can slide into a little bit more. Um, As we've discussed a millions of times on this podcast, including several recent episodes with LaMelo, like it it would still be nice to have someone that will allow LaMelo to also get off the ball and spot up and be a connective passer at at times too. This was the argument for, uh, you know, a, a Scoot Henderson pick at number two and, and a Lamelo, Scoot Henderson backcourt, perhaps to to build on. And Brandon Miller's played great. Um, I think he's been had a really nice offensive season for a you know a twenty one year old rookie. But only twenty two percent of his shots at the rim. Um, you frequently see him sort of like flummoxed by physical point of attack defense or uh, switches, drop coverage, like stuff that would kind of lure him into contested or tough you know pull up shots. Um, over 40% of his looks right now are coming from the mid-range. A lot of that, you know, um, some of that's, you know, movement sets, but a lot of that's, you know, one-on-one or or pick and roll. So just having someone that can reliably play with the ball, do that would be a huge, huge deal. Um, And then maybe if you find that source of creation to be able to like slot in with LaMelo and with Brandon Miller, well then – You know, maybe Miller can end up being your, you know, sort of like your ace wing defender. uh, Going forward, without having to carry such a a a large offensive load, Uh, we'll see. You know how his development dovetails. And look, the Hornets may have to get a a top two or three selection in the draft to get this guy. But um, a name that everyone likely knows about, Ron Holland, is currently playing for the G League Ignite. I mean, he's probably being mocked one or two. Or, or maybe three, probably no lower than three in most 2024 mock drafts. But six, eight, 200 two hundred pound, athletic wing, very athletic, can can do stuff with the ball. And I think there's some some real defensive upside there, um, both on and on the ball, and as a team defender. So maybe that's a name to settle, but or or to sort of like you know consider at the moment. Obviously, we're a, we're a ways off from that. But I'll I'll go offensive uh, shot creation, but. <laughs> I don't know the to just to go ahead and put a pin in it they need more two-way players I think it's also like what's probably something we should address like with this question which is that like they have very few guys that you can trust on both sides of the court right now like maybe three four right like you know Miller Hayward when he's healthy Mark maybe PJ like that's probably probably about it um and so that's just that's nowhere, it's <laughs> just nowhere near enough. So just add it to the list of uh concerns. Yeah, and
1: even those guys are inconsistent, you know, on a night-to-night mm-hmm. basis. But yeah, those are the four that stick out to me. And and you're right, in terms of like the spot up situations, it's it's something that, you know, when you think of rim pressure, obviously it's about converting at the rim, but it's also about opening up looks from behind the arc and adding shooters is definitely one way to do that. But you need personnel that's gonna collapse the defense and make those looks and cleaner. The Hornets this season are shooting, uh, they are 25th in the league in terms of shot distribution from behind the arc and they're 22nd in the league in efficiency. So they don't have the shooters to begin with, but they also don't have the volume either. So I think adding a guy on the offensive end that can collapse the defense, pressure the rim, uh, that would go a long way. I guess one question kind of like this kind of dovetails off of this conversation. You just said it perfectly. Like this team needs two-way players in the worst possible way. And I think every player is different. So maybe this question really can't be answered. Is it easier to have a guy that has like the effort, the intensity, the size on defense to develop, a f- uh, to develop kind of like the on-the-ball skills, or do you think it's easier for a guy that has the on-the-ball skills to develop some kind of intensity on defense? It's probably so hard to judge that, I guess. Yeah,
2: it's just so case-by-case. Case. I yeah. do think, and there's probably examples you could pick for both, I tend to think there's like a premium, especially, and I, I think it probably even varies by position to an extent. Like, at, at center, there's probably a bit of a premium put on, like... Uh, Aside from like the real outlier guys, Jokic and and Embiid, there's like an emphasis and a premium put on on defense, and so you know, if you can fit you know turn Rudy Gobert into a screen and roll guy and an an offensive rebounder, and that's what the Hornets are going to try to do with Mark Williams. Whereas like in the, on the wings and in the guard room, you know uh, you're you're scouting and, and drafting and probably thinking offense first. Uh, again, sort of depends, but. Ultimately, I think you would try to find shot creation talent, like shooting, shot creation. Those are the two most, you know, important, difficult, and most coveted skills to find. So, uh, going for—I I guess I would answer that would be like you try to go that, and then hope you can figure out uh, the defense or like putting a defense around a player like that um, to sort of you know be able to find a scheme that works for them, find teammates that work for them. Um, and and go from there. But yeah, I think the I think the answer is offense first, and then figure out defense. Yeah. But it's, it,
1: it's it probably it's probably case it, by case. Yeah. Uh, do you agree with the premise of this question that uh, Mark Miller and Lamelo are the core? Like, is there is there another guy that you would add to that, or are the others more expendable in your eyes?
2: I think that's I think that's also the right answer too. Yep. I mean, I, I think if you pulled um, a thousand people that uh, that follow the hornets fans or media and said pick the pick three guy you have pick the young core you got three selections i think that would be the vast majority um and i mean i think i think there's some interesting good young players on the roster too like i i think nick smith has shown some stuff this season i think we liked him as a prospect um I, I thought Bryce McGowan's had a nice, you know, rookie season as a second-round pick, and has has been okay in in doses this year. So it's like they've got. And I, I don't. I haven't bailed on JT Thor yet, which we Richie you and I, or Spencer, we discussed along with Spencer. We discussed him the other week. So, like, there's still some stuff, but I would say that's clearly the the core. And then there's a few other young guys that have um, that I think have uh, have like a real pulse in terms of maybe being a part of things going forward. Um and uh, and I think like lamello and in, in Miller are like the real two sort of like standouts, but but certainly Mark is uh, deserving of consideration there too. Yeah It's funny, coming from you, I, I'm surprised you didn't say P.J. Yeah, I mean, I just, uh, it's a good point. I mean, like hes I, I, I would I would say P.J's almost in a category to himself. Because, like, I you could I think you could consider him part of, like, the core moving forward. I, I think, granted, he's already on his second contract. Um, you could also consider him in, like, the, you know, it feels weird to put him in, like, the Nick Smith Jr., Bryce McGowan's group because P.J. is so much more established than those guys are. Um, and he's not quite in the, or maybe he is in, like, the Hayward, Rozier uh, part of the roster where you really need to be thinking about, uh, or and I guess bridges too, like what you could get for, for trading those guys. But I, I PJ is sort of like in between all of yeah. these things, I think. Yeah.
1: It, it's kind of like his game. He's very versatile. He, he could go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 And I mean, I think he's like, I, I just watched the Phoenix game earlier today. I thought, I thought he did some good stuff in that game, but, um, but yeah, I think the young core is, uh, I think pretty ironclad with those three. Yes, I would agree with
1: Daniel in on that question, and uh, we will get to the second question here, which is almost like two questions within one. It's from Hear me Out on Twitter. Who has shown the most growth, the most uh, growth, uh, whether it's rookies or returning players, and who has shown the most decline, whether it's rookies or returning players? So I guess we'll just kind of split this up. I don't know if we'll have the same answer for this, but I think the biggest growth to me, currently injured, uh, LaMelo Ball, like if you just go back and watch and look up his games in the middle of November, that might have been his best stretch ever for any time in the Hornets uniform. I think there is like some stuff on the fringes that probably is not worth highlighting with him, but there is some noticeable stuff that he's clearly improved upon. And we just mentioned this in the question prior, like he's getting to the rim more often. Last season, he was attempting 4.2 shots in the restricted area. This season, he's attempting 5.9 shots in the restricted area. If you're looking at it from like a percentage standpoint, 29% of his shots are coming at the rim compared to 21% last year. So he's just getting there more often. He's getting more points from the area. I don't necessarily think his efficiency has gone all up all that much. Um but, you know, even a byproduct of this, he's getting to the line a little bit more often. So I think that's one area of his game where he's shown some growth. Uh, lastly, I think his, his three-point shot has improved even more. This is something that always is going to be a part of his game, you know, in terms of the pull-up, especially. Like, it's taken a step this season. 45% of his above-the-break threes have been unassisted. That number was 37.9 last year and I know that pull-ups and um, unassisted don't always equate like they're not always the same thing and vice versa but he's shooting 39% on pull-up threes this year that was 34.8 last year so he's definitely shown some ability to get points off the bounce uh, from behind the arc and then when teams kind of load up the paint because there's no other shooters and they know that they love to use that two-man game with Mark Williams like, you know, obviously he's not gonna be able to drive through all five of those guys every <laughs> time. So, so pulling up from deep is is a very good counter to have. And he can definitely do it with range as well. So I was just kind of running my finger up and down the roster, trying to figure out, okay, who has shown the most growth. I think a lot of guys have kind of like flatlined. Like I don't I don't see a lot of noticeable, you know, things to point to. But I think Lamella Ball, even though he's injured right now, he's kind of out of sight, out of mind. I think those are a couple of things that I've I've noticed this year that have grown very visibly on the screen.
2: Yeah, agreed. I mean, I don't think there's like much. Uh, there's maybe some other guys you could mention, and I, like even maybe Brendan Miller, just compared to like start of season versus what he's doing now, uh, just sort of like the added responsibility he's had to have with Razier going down and then LaMelo and now Hayward. So I think there's maybe a case to be made for for Miller, but short of that we just have so much more to work off of with uh with Lamelo and his growth i think to start the season was was meaningful i think it was significant uh more patience in the pick and roll uh be willing to do the sort of steve nash tony parker uh you know keep the dribble alive as you're going underneath the rim come out the other side and um you know use the rim as an extra defender and try to score that way or, or kick out to someone on the second side um, his pick and roll efficiency, albeit in you know in this fairly small sample to start the season, was pretty good after a uh, after a slow start. Uh, Lamelo on pick and roll possessions that he used this season. This is almost uh, close to like half. This is like almost half the possessions he had this year. Zero point uh, nine eight points per possession. With 55% effective shooting. Last year that was 0.81 points per possession with 46% effective shooting. And again, these are smaller samples, so you shoot pretty well uh in this. That's probably gonna, you know, it's gonna boost some of those per po- those points per possession totals. Lamelo 42% on pick and roll threes this season. So again, that's probably helping those numbers out a little bit. But last season, Lamelo 34% on pick and roll threes. Um so again, some some at least in a, in a smaller sample, uh, certainly some some very real tangible growth in this season with Lamelo uh, in the pick and roll, either using the possession or passing it to someone who uses the possession. Again, this is according to Synergy, so these numbers aren't aren't perfect, but they're they're a pretty good look into just how the team is playing in those situations. Uh, 1.06 points per possession. That's in the 73rd percentile in the NBA. Uh, that's up also from last season where it was 0.95 points per possession. That was in the 94 or pardon me, that was in the 44th percentile. And given the struggles that this team has in terms of like secondary creation, some of the spot up shooting concerns, we just talked about how uh, infrequent they've been able to get clean, clean looks from catch and shoot threes, and how infrequently they've been able to make those this season, like Lamelo's doing a lot of that. By having, but with the context not being anywhere close to like ideal for like a young guard to like thrive, right? Um, and obviously, they're really missing him from a shot creation standpoint. So, I think Lamelo, for all the reasons we've we've sort of just gone into, the, the added rim pressure, a little bit more patience here and there, a few more tricks, and uh, and shooting well uh, on pull-up threes out of the pick and roll. Um, that, to me, I've said this for for years now, like if Lamelo ever really like turned the corner as like a pick and roll, pull up three point shooter. Cause we know he's got the touch and the range, but if that really, really translated to pull up looks yeah. and if that could alter the way teams guard him, like we're not there yet, obviously probably not even close because the team is just not nearly good enough for one guy to sort of like geek out opposing coverages, but perhaps one day down the line, that could be something you forced, you know, point of attack defenders to fight over the screen and and bring guys up to the level the, you know the, the screen defender then the guys are then the te- you know teammates going to be open on the roll or you open up you get the defense in rotation so um some really encouraging stuff honestly uh, to start the season from LaMelo it just stinks that he got hurt because you know uh we haven't seen him play in a, in some time now
1: yeah exactly all right, there's a second part of this question, Brian, and I'm going to let you lead off on this one in terms of the one that has dipped most. And I think there's probably several answers here, at least several candidates for answers. I think JT Thor is in consideration, even if, you know, maybe his baseline wasn't the highest. So he doesn't really have far to drop, but I feel like he's disappointed this season. I know he's only 21 years old but I feel like his shot from behind the arc has really declined uh, even though he's kind of living more outside the arc and, and shooting more from behind the arc Uh, you could potentially argue. Mark Williams has seen a dip defensively and, you know, really hasn't jumped off the page there. Uh, There's probably three, four other players that you could probably argue here. So I I think that's a bad thing. That's really a bad thing when you've got like five players, you can sit here and argue for the biggest decline uh, for the 2023 season here. So what's, What's uh, what's your thought on this?
2: Yeah, and and look, I think Terry's had a really nice offensive season, but his defense has been terrible. Not like it's it's ever been that good, but um, that's been that's been rough. Uh, I mean, Cody Martin's played well since he got back, but just four games this season. (laughs) Like, I think you know you're probably expecting a little bit more out of him. Granted, he didn't play much last year, so there's not. It's hard to sort of like gauge like where the starting place is and how do you evaluate him. It sort of seems like we should still be in. You know, keep your fingers crossed that he stays healthy and he continues to play. And then there's more stuff to actually evaluate him on. I mean, I'll just come out and say it: like, uh, I think it's Miles Bridges. Like, the shooting is down, way down. Um, I don't think the shot selection's been good at times. I think the effort and attention to detail on defense have been pretty pathetic. Actually, not like that was ever like a strong suit of his, but. I think it's been pretty worrisome. Um, He strikes me as a guy that um, is pretty checked out on that side of the court. Um, And, uh, look, that's far from the most disappointing part of of Miles Bridges' human being. But uh, Miles Bridges, the basketball player, I I think has also taken a a pretty obvious step back, at least after his first, I guess, week of game action after – back from his uh his suspension. So, uh plenty to choose from in this regard. Yeah, it does feel like Mark sort of I I don't know if you know if Mark like regressed necessarily. I think he just sort of we're doing that thing with young guys where like he largely stayed the same in certain, instead of there being some sort of growth. Like maybe the defense didn't wasn't quite as impactful. Um there's probably a lot of factors that go into that with a really poor defensive team and poor perimeter defensive personnel around Williams guarding pick and roll at the point of attack, reaching you and I multiple times have discussed sort of like the lack of quickness and flexibility, guarding pick and pop shooters from, from both of Charlotte's uh, top two centers with Williams and Richards. So there's that as well. I, I think Williams maybe kind of is what he is offensively and who knows, perhaps will they, he figures out to you a know, way to be a little bit more of a high post, you know, elbow, Dribble handoff hub at some point in time, but it's not like he came in as a great passer and and certainly like we hadn't seen that that yet this season or, you know, it's not like we expected him to be a stretch five this season or or something like that. So and then, of course, he's missed a ton of time now with this back injury, which is uh, which is really unfortunate, too. So lots to choose from, um, but I'll say Bridges
1: that's a good answer i wasn't really thinking about him only because of the fact that he's been gone for so long and um, yeah yeah i mean so I, I do like that answer i think that's a very uh, reasonable answer but I, I think you're gonna hate my answer brian but i'm gonna go i'm gonna go pj
2: yeah i had a feeling
1: <laughs> i won't thoughts on him in a second but I, I think he is one guy on this roster that we just talked about who is versatile he can play two ways Um, And we've seen that in his time in Charlotte where he is a versatile two-way player, but it feels like he's been less impactful this season. And his three-point shot has declined this season. He's only making 32% of his above-the-break threes. He's only made nine corner threes all season. And I also feel like, just from the eye test, that his defense has taken a little bit of a dip this season. And that's a place where I felt like I can always count on his impact. I've seen too many times where there've been on the ball miscues where a guy gets by him a little bit too easily so you know obviously I'm not giving up on him by any means he's a guy that I pose to you like where does he fall in the core he is that guy that's like right underneath like the solid three three or four players that are going to be moving forward with this team and his contract is very team friendly like he's he's a guy that if he steps up he is going to outperform his contract And I get it, like everyone else on this team, he has not had the best situation. He's been a starter. He's come off the bench. Uh, Obviously, the injuries have just changed everyone's role. But I think, you know, it's it's hard to kind of pull away the excuses and his play. And I think we just need to see more individual improvement from, from all the guys on the roster. But you know, I feel like he's kind of had a very similar um, impact as Hayward where he's had stretches where it's like, wow, like this is the guy that we've been wanting to see. And then he has stretches like kind of like Hayward where he kind of goes absent for four or five straight games. So, you know, just just an honest answer, Brian, like what do, what have your thoughts been on PJ this season compared to like previous seasons?
2: Yeah, I, you know, it hasn't been as I don't think it's been his best. And, and who knows, maybe like three weeks of him shooting 40 whatever percent on above the break threes like it it will will change some of that perception. Um he is shooting, you know, he's really struggling with this with his three ball this year under, you know, under thirty-one percent, um, still on uh, you know, plenty of, of attempts. I actually think he's taken a career high in terms of threes per per one hundred possessions. After that at um points of the last couple of seasons, you know, really peaked and it's it's gone up even more more this season. Um PJ is someone that uh, I think last season it was pretty well documented like with Hayward hurt with, with Bridges suspended um, PJ in LaMelo hurt, you know, they were starred for for guys that could like initiate offense. Um, It wasn't always the prettiest but PJ got to do stuff, you know, got to you do some pick and roll ball handling got to facilitate from the high post a little bit got to isolate here and there. Um, And now he's 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 more in that sort of like catch and shoot catch and go role. Um the five-out lineups with him as small-ball center haven't quite hit, um, and that's always been like those lineups have always struggled to defend. They've they've struggled to rebound, but they they usually were pretty awesome and pretty powerful offensively. Um, and that just hasn't maybe hasn't. I need I would need to check the like the actual like offensive efficiency numbers with those looks. My guess is it's it's really not not all that great. Um, but yeah, I, I think some of it can be chalked away to. His role changing. He's playing uh, a lot of minutes at center again. Not like he hasn't done that before, but that was sort of like largely something that got gotten weeded out last season with uh, with the return of of Steve Clifford. Now he's back to doing that a lot with Mark Williams out and only two true centers. I, mean, I guess three if you want to count some of the contributions from from Nathan Mensa, who I thought yeah, had some play play pretty well in doses for the Hornets. Um, you know, the last week or so. So, kudos, salute to him. But, um, yeah, PJ's got to start hit shooting better from threes. And then I'm with you in terms of like overall defense. Like, I mean, this is a terrible defensive team. Um, this is just a bad team in general. So it's like it's tough to read too much into like lineup data. Like they're they're losing most lineups. Like this, they're not good. Um, and I think perhaps when you're in, in when you're on in the midst of a big losing slide, you're bad on that side of the court. Um, you know it's it's sort of tough to to like uh, keep the keep the same effort and keep contributing at the rate that you're expected to. But yeah, it has been a little bit disappointing in terms of I don't think he's been quite as impactful on uh, on that side of the floor. And I do think like this also does speak to offensively like PJ's a he is a complimentary player. Um, like again, we've seen. We've seen uh, moments with him getting to create and and maybe there's still some untapped stuff there, but, but, but mostly role right now, his role is like playing off the catch and being a second side guy and being a pick and pop guy. Um, And, and when the jump shot's not rolling, then it's tough for that to like really, really sort of take off. But like, he's a, he's a good shooter. Like I do think he'll start to like shoot it. I don't think he's going to finish the season shooting, you know, under 32% on threes. I, I think that that number will, will sort of jump to the mid to upper thirties. And hopefully that opens up some other parts uh, uh, of PJ's game.
1: Yeah. I think the situation makes it very difficult to judge anyone, uh, but we're going to go ahead and wrap here, but I wanted to make everyone aware of a couple things before we sign off. If you are a Spotify listener, like BG is uh, there's a place within each episode to leave comments and questions It's a new feature that I kind of stumbled upon. Um, I'm going to look more into it and probably use it moving forward. If you're an Apple podcast listener like myself, uh, please make sure to give us a rating and review. We've been stuck on 175 reviews for a couple months now. So maybe someone out there can be our 176th review. And lastly, if you'd like a place to chat with us and other Hornets fans, download the Substack app, search BuzzBeat and there's a chat tab where you guys can start threads and and, and join a conversation with others. So thanks to all that joined live, continue to support us by listening, continue to support us by sharing our shows. Happy new year. And we will talk to you guys soon.